this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So let me ask you a question. Are you someone who loves to wait? Like, likely you're not the person who wants to go and hang out at the dentist's office just hoping that your name won't be called because you just want to keep reading all the magazines. Or, or when you're at the grocery store, you're likely not the person who's like, no, head, go, go in front of me, no, no problem whatsoever. Or, or likely you're not the person who when you call like Bell or tell us that, that you love just being put on hold. I, I think if we're being honest... None of us love to wait. I mean, we, we live in a culture that, that, that actually wants to speed things up, actually wants to get things done quicker. I mean, I was thinking about this recently with, with the uh, invention of fast food. I don't know if you go all the way back when they, when they developed fast food, when they came out, a way to get food quicker, but that wasn't good enough. And so people didn't want to actually go into the restaurant to get their food, so they created drive throughs and that was a little bit better. You didn't have to get out of your car, but you still had to wait in line. And so now we are in a place where you can actually order your food online. You can walk into the restaurant, grab your food, and leave like no waiting whatsoever. I mean, we live in a society where we value our time, where we don't want to wait for answers. What about when it comes to waiting on God? Is that something that comes easily? Maybe you've been in a situation where there is a, something going on in your life that, that you want the circumstances to change and you've been praying and you've been asking and you've just, you've just been, been asking God to, to, to step into the situation. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing seems to happen. Or maybe you are in desperate need of something in your life and you are praying and you're asking and you are waiting and waiting and waiting and you land at this place of wondering, God, are you there? <laughs> like, God, do you even care? This Christmas, we're starting a new series called Unwrapping Presence, Encountering God at Christmas. And, and today, I want to land again at that place of this promise where God says, I will be with you always, always. And so, how do we deal with waiting when it seems as if at times in life, God is silent? Last week, if you were with us, we, we, we looked at this reality, this, this important thing to understand that, that we don't use our circumstances as evidence for the presence of God. And I think this is particularly true when it comes to the reality of having to wait. You see, if we think that, that in times of waiting when God is silent, that, that it's a sense of God's absence in our life, then we can oftentimes go one of two ways. One is we begin to get angry or bitter towards God thinking like, God, why, why are you silent? God, like, why, why are you not responding to me? Or we begin to blame and feel a sense of shame because we think, well, well maybe I have done something wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm getting like the divine silent treatment because, because of, of something I should have done or, or something I, I did and, and just God is completely unhappy with me. So how do we respond? Like, Waiting is a part of life, but particularly when it comes to faith, you, you start to read in the Bible and you see multiple times people having to wait upon God. And oftentimes their waiting is not measured in weeks or days, but years, and oftentimes even decades. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but, but you have the first part, which is the Old Testament. Then you have the second part, which is the New Testament. And I think sometimes we, we may think, well, if I just flip one page from the old to the new, then 
we're good to go. Just the story keeps rolling along. But did you know that the period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament was 400 years? 400 years. The people of Israel were waiting upon this promise of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the, the, the ultimate move of God of stepping into the people's lives, and they had to wait 400 years. Like, like why does God do that? Like, like, why does God continually make his people wait? Is it to inconvenience us? Is it a sense of punishment? Or, or is it something else? Have you ever considered that, that perhaps waiting is not an inconvenience, but rather a gift given to us by God? When I think of Christmas and I think of when I, as a kid that, you know, all the, all the presents under the tree, so often my eyes would be drawn to the ones that appeared to be the best. That so often we, we, we look at gifts and we look at the outward appearance and think that is the one that I want to open. But oftentimes not every gift comes with a bow. And I think oftentimes in life we fail to see the gift that waiting can be. And so that's what I want to jump into today. I want to, I want to turn back to a portion of the Christmas story to, to look at a couple named Elizabeth and Zechariah and see how this couple, they had to wait not weeks, not months, not years, but decades waiting for a child. And it's in this story we begin to see not only how God was with them, but what waiting began to produce in them. So let's jump into the story. We're going to read it and then talk about it and, and look at what does this mean for you and me in the midst of our life, in the midst of whatever you are going through today, in the midst of perhaps in a place where, where it seems as if God is silent in your life. So this can be an encouragement to you. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, and this is where we pick up the story. It said, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. They were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. When Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I, I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until a child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. 
when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she explained. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. It's one of those amazing stories and and situations where here you see a couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, a couple that were clearly faithful to God. And they had been praying and praying for decades that they would have a child and nothing. And now they got to a stage in life where they likely weren't even expecting it to happen anymore. They were old. They were heartbroken. As we see in the text, they were also feeling a sense of of shame because in their day and age, the lack of having a child was perceived by many as a sign that they had done something wrong before God. Like, just imagine your entire married life praying for this one specific thing and nothing. And then on one particular day, while Zechariah is serving in the temple, he is visited by an angel and he is given the news that he had wanted to hear his entire life that they were going to have a child. And what was his response? He didn't believe. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where where you've been praying for something for so long that that just seems to be empty words that you give? That yes, you know of examples of how God had worked in other people's lives and and you read these promises in the Bible, but you start to think, maybe that's not for me. You see, Zechariah would have been well-versed in the scriptures. He would have understood the amazing stories where God intervened in people's lives in moments where they had to wait for years and years upon him. But oftentimes waiting can sort of wear us down to a point where we may not even believe. But God came through. And I love the, 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 the words of the angel. This will happen at the proper time. You see, I think sometimes one of the reasons we challenge, we are challenged with waiting is, is we almost want God to work on our timetable. That, that we want things quick and we want things done now. And so often that's not how God works. But may we not make the mistake of, of thinking that in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the silence, that God is not with us. The amazing thing about this encounter that, that, that Zechariah had was this was not only a, a, a personal promise towards him, but in this encounter, this, this gift of this child was going to speak to something even greater. For this child to be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth was to become John the Baptist, the one who was going to go and prepare the way for Jesus, the coming Messiah. In the very same way, that the nation of Israel had been waiting. God had stepped into their life. Waiting can almost seem counterintuitive. But how does waiting become a gift? I believe in two ways. Waiting produces hope. 
You see, hope is that incredible reality of, of re realizing that, that, that what you hope for has not yet come. You see, you can't have hope without a period of waiting. And that oftentimes in the Bible, the word hope and the word to wait is often interchangeable. The Bible speaks often about the hope that we have in Jesus. But it's, 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 it's this period of, of waiting upon what God is yet to do. But there's a second reason that waiting can become a gift in terms of how it deepens faith. You see, waiting upon God is not just simply passive inactivity of just kind of twiddling your, your fingers and thinking, okay, well, God, you, you do what you're going to do and I'm just going to sit here. No, it's active dependence and trust. Our ability to wait upon God I believe, actually speaks to the depth of our relationship with him. I don't know about you, but, but the deeper my relationship with someone, the more I'm willing to wait upon them. And what you begin to see, not only in the scriptures, but hopefully also in our lives, is that, is that as we begin to wait, do we begin to see this as an opportunity to deepen our dependence upon God? You see, what is so subtle, but I believe is so meaningful, is very early on in this story, Zechariah and Elizabeth are described as righteous in God's eyes. That, that means that they were faithful, that, that they had a right relationship with God, that it, that it wasn't just mere appearances. They weren't just simply going through the motions, that even though they had been waiting, even though they had been pleading, even though they had yet to experience this, this promise come true, they were not going to turn away from God. Waiting, I believe, began to deepen their faith. Not to produce bitterness or anger, but to actually draw them closer to him. What about you? What does waiting begin to do in you? Does it create a greater dependence upon God? Or does it drop you in a place of wanting to step away? I've seen this happen personally in my own life. Most specifically, last couple of years as, as a church, we've, we've entered into this building project. And I remember when we first realized that the funds that was needed to be raised, there, there was a sense of anxiety and worry. of just wondering, how is this going to happen? We've had to wait upon God and that through the generosity of others, we have seen amazing things happen. But as I reflected upon the last few years, what I've begun to see is, is how my faith has been deepened, how there has been a, a greater sense of dependency to, to wait upon God, to see what he is going to do. It's developed a greater sense of hope and trust. So what's our takeaway? You know, I'd, I'd be lying to say that I would rather not have to wait. <laughs> but that's simply not the reality. Waiting isn't always easy. Waiting for most does not come naturally. But can we begin to see it as a gift from God? Begin to see that, that, that waiting produces hope. That waiting actually deepens faith. You see, not all gifts are obvious. 
Not all gifts come wrapped in a bow, and oftentimes we want to avoid having to wait. But can we begin to see that in our waiting, in the silence of God, that he is not absence, but rather he is at work? We, we may not see it, but will we begin to believe that God is not only at work in our situation, but he is at work within us as well? Having to wait upon God will often lead us in two directions. It will either push us further away or it will begin to draw us in. Listen, I, I don't know what you are waiting upon. Maybe there is something in your life that you wish would be removed and you are asking God and nothing seems to be happening yet. Or maybe there is something in your life that you desperately need and you, you're just praying that God would step in and fill the gap and nothing seems to be happening yet. How can you begin to wait well? Let me suggest two things that has, has been profoundly helpful for me. The first one is this, is as you are waiting, take time to recall those times in life where God has answered your prayers. Times where God has shown his faithfulness. You know, one of the words that often comes up over and over in scripture is the word remember. Remember, remember. Remember what God has done in the past so you can remain faithful in the waiting right now. And so take some time. Begin to reflect and, and to realize the ways that God has been faithful in your past. The second thing is, would you take some time to begin to ask and reflect, God, what are you wanting to produce in me? Do you begin to see this as an opportunity for God to deepen your faith, to deepen your relationship and your trust in him? In the very same way for Elizabeth and Zechariah to become upright in the eyes of God. What I have learned in my own life is that as I reflect back on those times of waiting and silence, what I begin to see is not the absence of God, but his very presence with me. That promise of Jesus say, I will be with you always. This week, in the midst of your waiting, will you lean in on God? Next week, I invite you to come back and to, to join us again as we're going to walk into one of the harder conversations of, of how do we experience the presence of God with us while we are hurting. My prayer for you today is that in the midst of waiting, that God would produce a greater sense of hope so that you will continue to lean, that you will continue to trust that you will allow this period to draw you closer and not push you further away. Because as we see in this story, at the proper time, God acted. And the same is true for you. Let me pray. And so, Lord God, I pray for those that are watching here this day. I pray that in the midst of, of whatever they are struggling with, 
God, that you would fill them with a greater sense of hope. That even though their circumstances and situations may not be changed yet, that they will continue to wait upon you. That they will continue to hope in you. May you produce in them a greater sense of faith and trust. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now may the blessing of God the Father Almighty, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.